0: Good morning. Good morning. Man, wasn't that an awesome music worship experience today? I mean, just so powerful. So, yeah. I, I tell you what, I'm excited for, for Noah, our student ministry intern, for, for what that means. There are so few people going into ministry these days. It's great to see a young man that has that passion and that desire to do it. And it's not an easy job. It's not an easy role, but praying that God really uses him in some big-time ways and and uses him here as well uh, for for the rest of the summer. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to introduce you. You just got to meet Noah, our summer intern. I want to introduce you to our children's ministry staff. These people are all on staff with us uh, for children's ministry. And our children's ministry is restructuring how they do kids' ministry here, and and so it's really an important role, and it's providing a lot of continuity and, and a lot of positive things for our kids. So first of all, oh, you guys lined up this service. Last service, they were all kind of cattywampus. This is Rachel Butler. Say hi to Rachel, everybody. Give her a round of applause. Rachel has been on staff with us for over five years as one of our children's pastors, and uh, she, she does a phenomenal job uh, of pulling kids together. She recently has been working in, as our elementary pastor, and now all that kind of combines, not the age groups, but the team and the structure of our children's ministry. Next is Kylie Payne. Kylie, if you'll step out. <clears throat> Kylie has gone to church with us for a long time here at Community, but she's been on staff Uh, for for just um, a few months, actually, and uh, I'm just glad that God has opened up this season of her life to be able to share that with, with our kids. Next is Mandy Kylinder. Mandy's at the very end. Now, Mandy was hired as our community engagement pastor, and she still does that, but she has over 30 years of children's ministry experience. And that wisdom and that knowledge, she now coaches our entire children's ministry team as we're making some changes and some transitions. And I am really thankful uh, that Mandy, with all that background and experience, has chosen to to be a coach for our children's ministry uh, team. Next, we have Tracy (laughs) Mazafari. Tracy has been on staff with us as our preschool pastor for a couple of years now. But before that, she ran Noah's Ark Preschool in Trenton. And um, Tracy is a co-director of our, no, our new daycare uh, that, that's opening at our Trenton location. Uh, she has been part of community for 18-plus years, her and her husband, Mike. And uh, just really, really glad that she is bringing uh, at least 17 years of, uh, of preschool experience uh, in, in that field to our new preschool at our Trenton location. And, and really, her and her family are phenomenal, fantastic people. And next is Stacy Dodge. Stacy, if you'll step, thank you. <laughs> Stacy is the co director of our preschool. She's done that for 15 plus years uh, with Noah's Ark as well before they shut that, that location down. She's been part of community for, for over two years. And I've got to tell you, this new preschool is a whole new opportunity for us to serve the Trenton community with the love of Jesus, and we couldn't have better directors, co-directors on our team than these two ladies, and we couldn't have a better children's ministry team on staff than what we've got. I'm excited to see what the future holds for our children's ministry as we make changes. Will you all pray with us, please, right now? Father God, I'm praying for everyone that's on this stage, for all the ladies that are here, God, for their passion, for their desire to to bring Jesus into the lives uh, of our children. God, they're not the future generation of Christ followers. They're the current generation of Christ followers, and we're praying for these ladies to lead them well. God, I'm praying for our preschool that opens in the next few months, that we may provide ministry to the families in our Trenton location And God, may we please, please open up opportunities to provide for needs for families and provide Jesus for families there. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, ladies. Appreciate you. Here's my challenge for you all as we're just talking children's ministry. All of you have gifts and talents and passions that can be used for Jesus. And my challenge to you is where can you be used in our children's ministry? Because some of you have those gifts and talents and you're not stepping up. We have tons of kids coming to this church and we need you to fill some roles uh, to, to impact the lives of these kids. The challenge is to see what you can do and where you can use your gifts and talents for God's kingdom. So talk to one of those ladies if you're interested in plugging in. Now, today we're kicking off a new teaching series. And this series is going to be a challenge. It, it, it's, it just is. There are challenging topics and challenging thoughts, and it's not going to be an easy process to work through this stuff. This series is called "One Minute After You Die." How's that make you feel? One minute after you die." Anybody want to get up and walk out now? going, I'm not coming back for the next few weeks, I'm done, I I don't want to talk about that, you you know, maybe it makes you feel a little bit uneasy, or maybe your attitude is just completely unfazed by the whole death thing, Your, your attitude is, death happens, deal with it, and so if that's you, that's okay, but most of us are a little freaked out when we start talking about death, because it's not fun. It's not an easy topic. Joelle and my wife bought a book several months ago called I'm Dead, Now What? And she left it on the kitchen countertop. I'm thinking, what's this about? I mean, I'm dead, now what? What are we doing with this book? And she she said, I just, I, I, I I can't go through. I said, what is it? She said, it's how to plan for when you die. Like, writing a will and getting your finances in order for when you die and, and how you leave it to your kids. She said, I just can't, I can't open the book. I'm too freaked out by it. I'm going, well, it's a great kitchen countertop conversation piece anyway, you know, and I'm dead now, what? Now, now all of this stuff, all of it is just hard to think about, isn't it? I mean, it just is. So what does happen one minute after you die? Well, there's so much conversation about that, so much debate about that. Some people think that you just kind of fade into the universe. Your cosmic energy becomes the energy of the universe. I kind of laugh at that. But anyway, that's what some people think. Some people think that you could come back as something else, like a pig or a worm or something like that. I'm thinking... Please, if you're going to bring me back as something, don't let it be, you know, something like a pig, all right? I love bacon too much. Maybe that would be fitting for me to come back like that. Some people think your life could just go into nothingness, like you die, it's black, it's empty, that's it. That, that, that's all there is to it. Some Christ followers think that you could go directly to heaven, Now, there are so many theories out there, so many thoughts out there about death, it can be a little confusing. I've been reading some of the the, the accounts of people that have these these, um, death experiences and came back. Have you read any of those books or seen any of those posts? They're really kind of interesting. After a four year battle with lymphatic cancer, Anita Moriani slipped into a coma in 2006. Doctors were sure. It was the end, not realizing that in her near-death state, she still had a conscious. Initially, she felt like she was floating above her body with 360-degree peripheral vision, vision of the hospital room and beyond. She told today, she said, I couldn't see my late father himself, but I felt his presence. And she said he had a message for me. He said that uh, I've gone as far as I can go, and if I go any further, I won't be able to turn back. But she said, I felt like I didn't want to turn back because it was so beautiful. It was just incredible because for the first time, all the pain had gone, all the discomfort had gone, all the fear was gone. I just felt so incredible, and I felt as though I was enveloped in this feeling of just love. Unbelievable. Conditional love. Have you read those things? They're really, really interesting personal type experiences. Now, here's the truth. All right? If you're writing something down, write this down. Here, here's the truth you don't really die. Think about that for just a minute. You don't really. Your physical body will cease to exist, but you never cease to to exist. You're going to live eternally somewhere, heaven or hell. That's the scripture. That's what it says. You will live forever eternally. Second Corinthians 5 says this, for we know that when this earthly tent, what's the earthly tent? It's a metaphor for our bodies, okay? We know when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, An eternal body made for us by God Himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our personal bodies. Now, these present bodies, we grow weary in those and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and we sigh. But it's not that we want to get rid of these bodies that clothe us, rather, we want to put on new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Verse 6 says this, So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Another version says it this way, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's what it says. Let's take a step back. Why do we exist? Why are you living right now? What's your purpose in life? What's your assignment? Why are we here in these earthly bodies in this tent? Verse 9 says it this way. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to accumulate a lot of money. Okay, no, that's not what it says. All right, that's what we think, but that's not what it says. Our goal is to work more hours than anybody else in the company. Nope, not what it says. Our goal is to drive the nicest car of anybody in our town. Nope, not what it says. So what's our goal? 2 Corinthians 5:9. Whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. Our goal is to live for Jesus. Our goal is to do things that are eternal, not just stuff for us, because this life is more than just about us. It's more than our stuff. It's more than our wants. It's more than our needs. So why do we exist? Pretty basic, to love God and love people. That's why we exist, love God and love people. 2 Corinthians 5 Verse 10 says this, For we must all stand before Christ and be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. This is where things start to get a little tough. This is where people start to get a little, hmm, I don't know that I like that. But it's Scripture, and we're using a lot of Scripture today. How, How do you feel about living your life for more than yourself? How do you feel about investing in God and investing in others? How do you feel about not making it all about you? How do you feel about that? Well, we're talking about what happens one minute after we die because what you believe about eternity determines how you live this life. What you believe about what happens one minute after you die determines how you live every day of this life. It just does. If you believe that you're an accident, that there's no God, that there's no eternity, chances are you're going to live a fairly selfish life because it's going to be all about you, your wants, your needs, your desires, and it leads to this instant gratification kind of mindset because it's all about you. There is nothing else. But if you believe that you are created by God for a purpose, that you have a plan for your life, that God put that plan into place, then you're going to live somewhere eternally. It shapes the way you live now. It shapes what you do now. Write this down. What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. Write it down. Memorize that. Think about that. What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. I believe that all of us, every single person in here, I believe we will all live somewhere for eternity. Your physical body will die, right? But your soul will continue to live. And Scripture says that's heaven or hell. Those are the options. Here are the three things that happen after this life is done. Number one, we just got done talking about, our physical bodies die. That's the first thing. Hebrews 9.27 says this, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Now, I want to make sure you get this, because according to the most recent studies that are out there, all right, the most recent studies, it's overwhelmingly conclusive that one out of one people will die. I'm pretty sure about that fact, all right? One out of one people die. We all die. I, I mean, that, 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 that's just it. You're going to die. Look at the person next to you. I know that's a little freaky, a little eerie, a little wrong. Look at the person behind you, in front of you, wherever you are. Guess what? We're all going to die. Every single one of us. Here's the only thing for me. I just hope I don't die falling from high places. All right? Like I am petrified of heights. I don't wanna die while I'm in a high place, and I don't wanna die falling from a high place. It just would not be my choice of how I would die. Have you ever thought about how you want to die? I wanna die on a stage preaching to you on a Sunday morning. That's how I wanna die, all right? That's my preferred way to do it. No CPR, just let me go, all right? That's it. That's how I would prefer to die. Have you seen this picture, lunch on a beam? Look look how, look how tall those buildings down below are. These guys, it was a publicity stunt. They were building this skyscraper. These guys are over 800 feet in the air. 800 feet. They're acting like it's a walk in the park. Oh, we're gonna sit down and have lunch today. Come on, come on, join us. No, it's not okay. 800 feet in the air. No OSHA regulations, no harnesses, not being strapped in. They're, they're not glued to the beam. They're not pulling them off of this thing. They just got up, walked out, and sat down. No thank you. Nope, not for me. I When I saw this picture as a kid, I'm not lying, I had nightmares about this. I mean, nightmares for months of falling off of a beam. And, and you look at other pictures of skyscrapers being built and these guys just walking out, leaning over several hundred feet in the air, riveting the beams together, not strapped in, not locked in, nothing. Nope, not gonna do it. I mean, even the movies, the movies Steel, they're skyscraper kind of builders. Uh, the, 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 the movie Cliffhanger, Sylvester Stallone, man, they're, they're hanging in the middle of nowhere. No thank you. The, 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 the movie called Solo, it's about this free uh, climbing person climbing hundreds of feet of mountain, just sheer walls with their fingers, nothing, no thank you, not going to do it, can't watch it. I watch those things with my eyes half closed because I am terrified of heights. Oh. I got this picture to Shelly. And it's like I had nightmares last night going, Shelly, I, 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 can't, I can't do it. I just, I just I, seriously, I, I can't do it. The truth is this. We will all physically die, right? Whether it's falling from 800 feet in the air, which, man, you watch those people and they'd freeze up occasionally and then they'd fall. I, I, no, no, thank you. You know, whether you're falling, whether something else happens to you, whether it's a disease, we will all physically die. Here's the second thing that happens one minute after you die. Our souls separate from our physical bodies. That's how it works. Our physical bodies stay behind. Our souls continue to live. Matthew 10, 28. Do not be afraid of those that can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The key is not to be afraid of anything. And I'm still working through that process. Don't be afraid of a person. Don't be afraid of a situation. Don't be afraid of a really high place. Don't be afraid of a really small spider. Don't be afraid of anything. Only trust God. Because when that trust factor starts to grow in God, nothing else matters. When you realize that if we love people and love God, our eternity is already there for us. We don't have to worry about that. We just have to understand that fear does nothing Because one day we will all die. Now at your funeral one day, and there will be a funeral for you one day, in case you don't realize that, right? After they say really, really nice things about you, and somebody's going to say something negative at some point in time, but most of it's going to be really, really nice things about you. And after they bury you, you go to Aunt Teresa's house with everybody that came to the funeral to eat. If I die, it's coconut cream pie from Frisch's. That's what's going to be there, all right? And you eat that before you eat any other food because I'm the one that died. That's what I want you to do. So eat dessert first, all right? Eat everything else second. Eat dessert first. You're going to eat coconut cream pie, and you're going to talk about what just happened. But at that moment, I'm going to be more alive than I've ever been in my entire life. Because even though my physical body dies, even though your physical body dies, your soul continues to live. Jesus was talking to Martha, who's incredibly upset because her brother Lazarus had died. And it's a hard moment for all of us when death happens, right? I love the King James version of this. Not love it. It's an interesting translation, talking about Lazarus. And Jesus shows up at, at, at Mary and Martha's house and and they say, Jesus, listen, Lazarus has been in the grave for like four days. And this is the King James translation. His body stinketh. <laughs> not great as you're eating coconut cream pie, right? I mean, his body stinketh. That's the King James Version words, not mine. And this is what Jesus said to Martha. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. What happens to the soul of a follower of Jesus after the body dies? That's a big question. And to be honest, the Bible doesn't have a whole lot of detail about it. I mean, there's just limited knowledge of what happens immediately. But what we do know is that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Jesus dying on the cross, a criminal on each side of him, they were both guilty uh, of being criminals, stealing, thieves, whatever. They both needed forgiveness, but only one of them recognized who Jesus was and the grace that Jesus had for him. And he said this in Luke 23, Jesus, remember me, When you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today when your body stops, your soul continues with me in paradise. Now, where exactly is that? What exactly is that? We're not sure. But what we do know is it's a way better place than what they were in when they were here on this earth, all right? It's a paradise kind of place, better than this earthly life. Paul wrestles with what to do with with this life. The Apostle Paul, he said, do I continue to live here and make a difference, or do I go and do what's better for me, which is being with Jesus? Philippians 1, he says this, I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ. Whether I live or die. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. For me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, because you need me, it's going to be better that I continue to live. So I'm choosing to be with you. What happens one minute after we die? Uh, We know our physical bodies die. And we know that our souls separate from from those bodies. Here's the third thing. This might be the toughest thing. We will all face judgment. Now that's not a cultural acceptable term right now. It's not culturally acceptable to say there's a judgment at the end of this life. Why? Because, well, if you believe in God, God is love and everything is fine. But scripturally, it talks about a judgment. 1 Peter 1.17, remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. You've got to remember this world is not our final destination. You are literally, I, I was told this all the time growing up, you're just a passing through. You know, this world's not your home. I'm going, that's kind of interesting. But what does that mean? It means this is not the end. When this life is over, we're going to separate our soul from our body, and then there's a judgment where we will either be rewarded or there'll be a punishment. Revelation 20, 11 says this, and I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life, and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, here's a key part of this. If your name is in the book of life, it's never erased from there. When you commit to Jesus, your name goes into that book of life, and that is the key for your eternity, right? Right? So you can never lose that. You can never kind of walk away. God says, when it's here, it's here. You're good. You're safe. You're secure. Here's here's kind of the next thing on this. It's 2 Corinthians 5.10. If you're a Christ follower, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. You're saved by God's grace. Or You just are. But you're rewarded in heaven by how you live this life. What you do right now matters eternally. That's what scripture says. What will, you, what, what, what will you be rewarded for and what will you be judged by are the questions. Let me share a few of those things with you that you'll be judged by or rewarded for. How about how you treat people? How you doing with that one right now? (sighs) Challenged. That's me personally. Challenged. How you treat people. How about how you cared for the least of these people? How you cared for the outcast and the poor and the broken and the hurting? You will be rewarded or judged by what you do with this life. What about with your resources? Do you help people or do you hoard it? You will be rewarded with what you do. You'll be judged with what you don't do. You'll be rewarded by Jesus for what you did uh, when your life is over and our life will be over at some point. Your physical body, when it ceases to exist, everything is left behind. So do you share it or do you hoard it? He takes a crown and he places it on your head. Just imagine this. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. When you serve kids every week, you made an eternal difference. Because you changed their lives. When you prayed and prayed and prayed, you made a difference. When you were the light and the only light in your work environment, you made a difference. When everyone else laughed at you and you were faithful, you made a difference. When no one else saw what you did, but you did the right thing and not the easy thing, you made a difference. And I noticed that, Jesus says. I noticed what you did. I noticed how you always gave I noticed how you always served. I noticed how you always cared about people. I noticed. And well done. Well done. Well done, loving God and loving people. I'm going to close with this scripture. It's Matthew 25. It's a long scripture. But follow along with me if you will. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons, for I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me a drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me into your home. I was naked and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you were refusing to help me. What we believe about eternity is how we live this life today. What we believe about eternity is how we live today. Live your life loving God and loving people. Prepare this life that God has given you to impact them for the kingdom of Jesus. Make a difference with your one and only earthly lives, because at some point, these lives will be over, but you will live forever, heaven or hell. Will you pray with me? Father God, I pray for everyone in this room right now. God, I pray for everyone watching online right now. God, I pray that you will open up their hearts and their minds to what you want for us. God, may we live this life to the fullest understanding that you're first, we have to love you first and then love everyone around us and make an impact with our only lives that we have here. God, help us to see that what we believe about eternity determines how we live right now and help us to see eternity with you. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.